Have you ever come in church late? Why is it everyone puts on their halo when I say something like that? I've come in late. You know, you're not quite ready or whatever. Just as the pastor's announcing that we're starting Sunday school, the evangelist is walking right there. Uh, we were here, but uh, um, certainly you come in, maybe um, you're, well, you just got off work. Kids are, you know, coming in from uh, all their activities. Of course, they finished, you know, maybe school that day or whatever, and it's just busy. Well, if you come in with a readied heart, uh, I believe if you could shoot to be uh, several minutes early and also have a time where you and your family would just uh, take a time and specifically pray for these services as a couple, as a family, or as an individual, and ask the Lord, prepare my heart. Uh, come in at least 15 minutes early and just, you know, I'm going to be there. I'm going to get my heart prepared and ready. It's going to make a difference this week. Uh, let me encourage you. This is kind of unique, but we're not thinking about this. But Monday night is a really important service. Why is Monday night so important? Well, it's the first of the weeknight services, and it's the night we normally don't meet together. So if we're not intentional about Monday that's when we'll come in late and, oh, yeah, we got church tonight. And, uh, oh, that's right, it's a, that revival meeting, right? And uh, then we're trying to get us. Uh, make sure you're preparing and prioritizing enough where, okay, we're going to uh, prepare our supper in such a way that uh, we're going to make sure we're there early. So maybe Monday night wouldn't be your big supper. Maybe use paper. Don't do dishes, ladies. Hey, better yet, husbands, take your wives out. And, uh, you know, you say, but Mother's Day is coming. <laughs> do, do it anyway. And uh, so uh, be, I'm, I'm just now the lady's favorite evangelist, uh, to having the husbands take, it, take them out. But uh, do something that, to prepare uh, and prioritize. Of course, help the kids, uh, any kids with the, uh, with the, still in school and their homework and all those things. But anything that you can do to prepare. But as a, as a Christian, as a church member, Monday night is really important. Both Sunday night tonight and Monday are going to be vitally important, I believe, to set the groundwork for the rest of the week. But Monday is a really key night. Uh, But then a second thing I like to have you think about is Wednesday night to bring someone that is unsaved. We're going to go ahead and call it a friend night, just very basic. Would you invite the person, say, hey, we're having a friend night at church where we're inviting Co-workers and friends and neighbors and relatives, and we want you to come as our guest for Friend Night on Wednesday. Uh, we want to give a special emphasis on the gospel on that night. The service is going to be for all of us, so it's, the message is going to be for the believer as well. But I want to encourage you to use that as a target. That will give you some days to think about that and ask the Lord uh, who you could invite, but I would invite them right away today, this afternoon. Go ahead and make that visit, make that call, do it if you can for uh, face-to-face. If it's a person, a co-worker at work, Monday right away, invite them for Wednesday night. And I encourage you uh, with that. We had ones come uh, for a friend night in the last several weeks, and we've had people saved. Uh, folks, it still works. The gospel is powerful. And uh, the presentation of the gospel, preaching the gospel certainly works. And we can see our family members saved. They say, well, what if my friend cannot come on Wednesday, but they can come on Monday night, unsaved person? Well, I guess we'll break the rules and let them come and get saved on Monday. <laughs> so any service is a good service. So don't think this is a bad service, but I want to give uh, Wednesday as a tool 
for you to be able to use to get ready for that. Uh, also, Pastor Henry's been so gracious to allow us to put some items on the, uh, on the back table there in the foyer area. And there's uh, several book, uh, book, table, book table items that can be a help to you in your walk with the Lord. Um, some of you probably have seen the devotional from Evangelist Will Rice. It's called First Light, 365 Daily Devotions. He's the evangelist who's leading uh, the Bill Rice Ranch Ministries, the president of the Campy Ministry there. He is absolutely dynamite with his devotions. They're concise. They're clear. He boils it down to one pithy statement, one golden nugget you can take away. Uh, it's brief. Uh, I'd encourage it, obviously, not to <clears throat> do this in place of your Bible reading, but to supplement your Bible reading. Just really, really good stuff. Uh, of all the devotions being written, today's time, I believe his is the best. Just fantastic. Uh, also, a book I like to encourage you with has really changed my life and uh, certainly my prayer life in our ministry. is called Prayer, Asking, and Receiving by John R. Rice. Fantastic. Uh, if you got it, just get it and just pick chapters you're interested in. Uh, what are the hindrances to our prayer life? What stops me from getting my prayers? Um, how about praying in Jesus' name? What does that really mean? What does praying in Jesus' name really mean? Uh, how do you know to pray for something? How do you know if it's in God's will? Discerning that. What does praying in the Spirit mean? He helps us with all of these things. And the basic thing is prayer is asking. God intends for us to ask and to receive petitions. But the chapter that changed my prayer life and our ministry is entitled Praying Big Prayers to an Almighty God. Folks, too often we limit our prayer life, but God does not. You know Jeremiah 33.3? It says, Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Ephesians 3.20, it says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. I think we can't even think something that would be too big to ask from God. You see, God is not limiting our prayer requests, but so often we are. Let me encourage you this week to pray big prayers to an almighty God. You know what a big prayer would be? It's for your family member or your coworker or that neighbor that's so hard and so cold to come to service on Wednesday, hear the gospel and to be saved. That would be a miracle, wouldn't it? And God can do that miracle. He can do those supernatural things. Uh, let me encourage you with uh, these items. Uh, anything that's purchased from them will go directly back to the ministry. It helps us with outreaches to New York City and other uh, ministry opportunities in the future, area-wide crusades that we're burdened about and such. Uh, but uh, this is a bundle. If you get the two books together, then you save. If you see any uh, books that are bundled together, uh, then you'll definitely save in that way. There's also ladies' Bible studies back there. There's four of them, definitely three we have a lot of. Uh, it's called Your Faith Affects Your Family. Wives, your faith affects your husband. And your faith, uh, no matter how strong or how weak, affects your children. And the author goes through different Characters throughout the Word of God and how the lady's faith does affect and influence the family. And so I encourage you, ladies, to be able to look at the Bible studies there. You have Psalm 85. Psalm 85, let's turn there. Psalm 85. And uh, let's go ahead and, and look there. Psalm 85.
Psalm 85. You can remain seated as we reread. Let's begin. Go ahead and read the entire psalm. Um, I'm going to do a little bit differently. Look, if you would, at first, uh, the first verse there in Psalm 85. It says this, Lord, thou hast been favorable unto the, thy land. Thou hast brought back the captivity of Jacob. Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people. Thou hast covered all their sin, Selah. Thou hast taken away all thy wrath. Thou hast turned thyself from the fierceness of thine anger. Now, let's just do a pop quiz here, okay? Just from our reading in these three verses, what kind of tense is being used? Would it be past, present, or future? This is Sunday school, so you can say it out loud. It's okay? It'd be past. Excellent. And uh, so it's past. Thou hast been, right? Uh, thou hast been favorable. They've had God's grace in the past. Um, that was brought us out of the captivity. They had had deliverance in the past and victory. Uh, that was forgiven. They had forgiveness over their, from their um, sins in the past. But that's all the past. Look, if you would, at verse 8. Let's skip to verse 8. And let's read from verse 8 to the end. It says this. I will hear what the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints, but let them not turn again to folly. Surely his salvation is nigh them that fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Isn't the word of God beautiful? Uh, It's just incredible, the language. Look there. It says, truth shall spring out of the earth, and righteousness shall look down from heaven. Yea, the Lord shall give that which is good, and our land shall yield her increase. Righteousness shall go before him and, um, and shall set us in the way of his steps. So many things that will or shall happen. Uh, let me ask now, in the verses 8 through 11, is this what kind of tense? Past, present, or future? And it would be? It would be future. All these things are potential of what could happen in the future. This will happen or shall happen. There's so many things. God can give a, uh, blessings, a clear path, wisdom. So many wonderful things, restored fellowship. But the past is the past. We cannot change it. It's already done. The future is potential, and it is hinged right now on the present. What is the priority of our present need right now? In verses 4 through 7, we see the present Let's see the priority of the present. Look at verse 4. The Bible says this. Turn us, O God, of our salvation, and cause thine anger toward us to cease. Will thou be angry with us forever? Will thou draw thine anger to all generations? Will thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Show us thy mercy, O Lord, and grant us thy salvation. I'd like to speak to you on the priority of the present. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. Father, in our brief time together, would you please bless it? Help us to think. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to have open and receptive hearts. Lord, we have self to deal with. We have our spirits that oftentimes are not yielded to you. So Lord, I pray you'd help us. Lord, I ask that today we would have a great services, uh, not just about you, but Lord, we would have great services where you would meet with us and deal with us, deal with our sin, deal with ourself and our will and our spirits. Lord, truly, I pray will you revive us, that your people would rejoice in you. 
Lord, fill me with all the fullness of God right now. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Certainly, there's times in your life that things are urgent. Things are urgent. I remember the birth of our children, our firstborn, Caleb, and when he was uh, going to be born. Uh, it was probably 3 o'clock in the morning, and all of a sudden, in the middle of my deep sleep, so restful, <laughs> I felt this claw on my shoulder. Cram! And immediately I turn, I'm awake, I'm waking up, and my wife says, I think today is the day. I believe the baby's coming. Oh, I'm so excited, I'm so thrilled. I said, this is great, honey. You know what we need more than anything? Is our rest. Let's go back to sleep. <laughs> How do you think that went? <laughs> yeah, not too wise there, huh? <clears throat> so we tossed, we turned for a few moments. <clears throat> By 3.30, 3.45, we're up. We're having breakfast at 4-something, and we're, uh, we're in Tennessee. We're at the Bill Rice Ranch, and as we're there, we, we're going around, and uh, it's 5 o'clock, 5.30 or so, and we're out taking a walk, you know, getting ready for this baby to come. And so we're, we're helping people as well I'm, to enter into this joyous day with us, so we're knocking on their door. Waking them up at 5.30. Guess what? Today's the day. Great. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so we're walking around. We're just so excited. And the uh, baby didn't come by 6.30 or so. And Well, you know, maybe a little bit longer. More walking. More water. You know, or all these wives' tales of the different things you're supposed to do. <laughs> and uh, uh, still, the baby didn't come by mid-morning. And then noon rolled around. The baby still didn't come. You know, it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Twelve hours later, <laughs> I told you we needed a rest, <laughs> and, uh, and the baby still is not there, and uh, then, uh, then six, and then it's in the late evening, and then it's midnight, now it's three o'clock the next morning, 24 hours later, there's still no baby, I told you we needed a rest, and finally about 6.30ish or six something, the next morning our first child was born. Now, during that time, even though he was delayed, <laughs> um, certainly what was most important? Well, his birth. So, even though I had some time, did I say, hey, hon, I'm going to go out hunting, and uh, I won't have my cell phone with me, so if you just shoot up a flare or something, if it's getting real, real close, then I'll be able to get back in uh, unless I got one. <laughs> so, you know, I didn't do that, okay? All the hunters going, really? <laughs> you know, uh, I didn't say, hey, you know, I'm going to go hang out with the guys. I'm going to go do something else. No, no, no. I had all my responsibilities. I called. I said, hey, I won't be able to do this today. Just, can I get somebody to sub for me for this? Why? Because this is priority. That was, um, even though I had some time until the next morning, that was priority. Our second child, Emily, we thought, the first one took that long. You know, girl, she's definitely, you know how long they take in the bathroom. So, uh, you know, they're going to really, there goes all my favor with the ladies. <laughs> so she's really going to take a while. Well, she didn't uh, five-hour labor, perhaps. She got there before the midwife got there. And uh, we were hippies back then. We had babies at home. And uh, so <laughs> she, she got there before the midwife. She came so quick. She was, certainly it was urgent, come quick, you know, fast, right now. 
You know, there's things that are important and there's things that are urgent. And sometimes we get confused about the two. This, what we're going to talk about today of the reviving of God's people and the new birth of souls of the unsaved are the most important, they're important and eternal value, and they're most urgent. And because of that, we need to place a priority on what God places a priority on. The present situation right now. Because of the urgency and the importance of revival, we must place it as priority. Now, whenever we say priority, um, we always think, well, I have a list of priorities. Here's my list. This is first, and this is first, and this is first, and this. No, 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 no. You know, you can only do one thing first. The word priorities actually wasn't around originally. The word priority it was just singular. Later, decades, probably, I think it might have even been a century later, then we added it, made it plural. Why? Because priority is top. What is on top of your list? This week, right now, it needs to be revival in my heart. And as a result, the outflow of this is going to be seeing people saved. And we need both. Look, if you would, and let's look at um, this passage here. And we'll see the priority uh, God places on this and why it's so important. But also, we'll begin to put in a definition of what personal revival really means to you and me. First of all, let's understand this. Revival returns us to God's word. Revival is, must be prioritized. Why? Because revival returns us to God's word. It returns us to God's word. Look at verse 4. It says, Turn us, O God of our salvation, and cause thine anger toward us to cease. Will thou be angry with us forever? And so it talks about turn us. This is interesting. The word turn here has the idea of return. That is, you don't turn for the first time, but you're turning back to a place that you've been before. So let's say, for instance, here's the path of God's word, his commands. And as I'm I'm walking with the Lord, I'm walking in obedience along this path. But when I stray and I follow self and flesh in this world and I go off, what's happened? I'm now in need of revival. One of the urgent things about revival, the important things about revival, is it returns us to God's word. That's the standard to which we return to is God's word. We come back. Now, it's interesting. The word turn in verse 4, the Hebrew word is also in verse 6. Now, I'll just admit something. I never took Hebrew, okay? I just know Hebrew scholars. And so this helps me out. Look at verse 6. It says this. Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Okay, so the same Hebrew word translated turn in verse 4 is also in verse 6, but obviously it's translated something else, and it's proper. It's right, okay? Well, what word is it? Any Hebrew scholars here? Okay, uh, let's, this is Sunday school. You can talk back, okay? Um, uh, what would be a guess? What would you think? Look at verse 6, okay? Wilt thou not revive us again? That thy people may rejoice in thee. What do you think would be that Hebrew word? It is not revive. <laughs> I tricked you. <laughs> so I'm not going to answer any of your questions, Brother Miller. That, that would be mine. I would say, yeah, yeah, that, that would be my guess as well. I don't know Hebrew, so yeah, it'd be revive. It's not revive. Give another guess. It's okay to guess wrong. If, uh, 
rejoice. Okay, there's the rejoice. Certainly, I would think that would be, again, that would be my, my second guess. It's not rejoice. Again, and Pastor Aaron got it first. So he, he, gets, the, he gets the gold star. <laughs> it's again. That helps us. What, what, you know what this word turn means? It means to turn again. Come back here. You know why? What we sing, we sing that song that's so familiar, Revive Us. You know, revival isn't a one-time thing. I so wish it were. I could be revived, and now I'd be set all the way until I get to heaven. <laughs> no more problems with self. No more temptation with the world. No more dominance of sin in my life, fully having victory every step. But, you know, our heart tends to stray and go away. What we need is revival again, coming back to God's word. And isn't it amazing where he says, turn us, O God. We can't even do it properly on our own. You're going to have to turn us. You're going to have to turn us. In Psalm 80, in verse 19, it says, Turn us again, O Lord God of hosts, and cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. So many times, Psalm 80, in verse 3, Turn us again, O God, and cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. Dear God, would you turn us? Would you just make that your prayer today? Lord, I know I need to get back, but even getting back, I can't do that right. So, Lord, would you help me, and would you turn me back again? Um, so, you see, but here's, here's what we do so often. We talk ourselves out of coming back again. You know why? Because last revival services, last meeting we had for revival, yeah, I made a decision about that, Brother Miller. I did. I even came forward. I prayed about it at the front. I did. You know what? Three weeks later... Three months later, I was doing the same thing. No, not going to do that again. Okay, well, let me ask this. How many in the last seven days, I'm giving you a very generous span of time, in the last seven days have either taken a shower or a bath? Okay, getting rather personal, aren't I? (laughs) Okay, let me ask this. In the next seven days, again, very generous. (laughs) In the next seven days, how many of you will... Your plans are, potentially, to take a shower or a bath in the next seven days. Please raise your hand. <laughs> okay, all right. You're, I, I know. I thank you for playing along. Okay. You mean you're going to take a shower again? <laughs> you just took one last week. I mean, all the eight-year-olds, if they were here, they'd be like, yes! <laughs> exactly. No, you need to do it again. And again. And again. Why? Because you get dirty. You get messed up. You get sweaty. You need to get cleaned up. You got the stench of this world on you again. So the the matter of revival is urgent because, and it's priority, because it returns us to God's word. So we're putting together a definition as we're understanding this. Personal revival returns us to the word of God. Let's add to it. Number two. Revival is priority, it's urgent, it's, it is important because it restores us to fellowship. Number two, it restores us to fellowship. Notice the fellowship that's broken. Look at verse four, it says, Turn us, O God, of our salvation and cause thine, what's the next word? Anger toward us to cease. Will thou be angry with us forever? <laughs> you say, I thought God doesn't get angry. Um, God doesn't hate. No, there's a difference between hate 
and anger, okay? So it's not saying God hates. God is angry. The Bible says God is angry with the wicked every day. Yes, we would say God loves the sinner but hates the sin, right? Okay. <laughs> uh, can I be very open? And I'm going to tell on my wife. She said, I love the people of Michigan. I just wish they lived someplace else. <laughs> she loves you. She loved, the people are great there in Michigan. Why is it so cold? <laughs> you know, we come up here, and we, you know, like today is beautiful, but uh, we've been in here in May and even the end of April with snow, you know, in, in different parts of Michigan. Yeah. She's like, love the people. I just wish they lived in Florida. <laughs> you know, So... Is it possible, though, for God to be angry with his children? Well, was it possible for God to be angry with the children of Israel? Read the Old Testament. How many times did Moses have to intercede for the children of Israel? Because God was angry with them again. They, they didn't cease, even though God said, I'm going to wipe them out, start a new nation. They didn't cease from being his chosen people. But the fellowship sure was broken. Let me ask this morning, how is your fellowship with God? Could it be described by the word close? Could it be described by the word intimate? Could it be described by the word unhindered? You know, when my fellowship isn't close to my wife, Things in my relationship aren't right. We're still married. If my, if my fellowship with my sons is hindered, something, there's, whatever the obstacle is that is hindering it, needs to be removed. They're still my sons. I still have the relationship. It's the fellowship, the close, unhindered, intimate fellowship that must be restored. Why is this so important? It's because revival restores us to fellowship with God. Do you realize this? They that, the Bible says in Romans 8, so they, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. How many in here, even though you're not trusting the flesh to earn your salvation, you're trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have salvation, you have eternal life, and yet the fellowship <clears throat> is not right. Because you're trying to do some things in and of yourself in the same flesh that could never earn you salvation. You're trying to live the Christian life that way. And God says, you'll never please me in that self-effort. So this revival definition includes a return to the word of God and a restoring of fellowship with the person of God. If we could wrap our mind around that God longs for our fellowship, God is constantly longing to draw our, our heart out to him. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Throughout the word of God, God has always sought fellowship with his creation, mankind, from the very beginning in the garden to the very end when he's knocking at the door. He says, will you not open the door so I can come in and sup with you and have fellowship? It's all about fellowship. God longs to be with you. Do you long to be with him? Is there something that's distance? Part of this revival, you know, it's amazing how, in my mind how 
church members sometimes come into these services. They think, oh, this is going to be bad. You know, this preacher, he's going to preach on sin and he's going to pound the pulpit and it's, it's just going to be all negative. No, no, no. What is this? Why do we have revival meetings? So you can draw closer to the fellowship of God. God's not trying to push you away when he shows you your sin. God's trying to show you sin so you can draw closer to him. Imagine with me if I would be walking out here. There's some wet area. I walked over here walking my large uh, dog <laughs> over here in the grassy area and got kind of wet. Imagine if I was walking at night through some of the fields and I got all muddy and, uh, and I got on my shoes and I, I got it on my pants and I couldn't see it out in the fields. But once I started walking closer to the parking lot where the parking lot lights are, I could start to see some of that dirt. I could see some of that filth. Now, if my shoes are covered in mud and my pants and my clothes and I try to knock on the door and my wife say, hey, can I come in? She'll say, no, nah, take that off. <laughs> take those shoes off. You, you get that wiped off there. No, no, no. You stand right here on this area. No, no, no. Why? She don't want that filth in the house, that filth in the trailer. No. But I didn't see it until I got closer to the light. And the closer I got, the more detail I would see. God is going to point out our sin, not to push us away, but draw us closer to the light. And as we're drawn closer to him, you know what we're going to see? More details and more sin. So the person here, it might be confusing. You say, I thought I was drawn closer to God, but the closer I get, the more sin I see. Yes! That's exactly right. I fear for the person, the man or the lady here that says, I don't see any sin in my life and I haven't in a while. I would fear for you because you're probably out walking. You still have, you're saved. You still have a relationship, but you're out walking in the fields, coming in closer. God wants to have that fellowship in the house, but you got to get cleaned up. Would you draw closer to him? Why is this revival so urgent, so much of a priority? Is because it returns us to the word of God. It restores us to the fellowship with the person of God. But finally, it revives us to life. Number three, this revival revives us to life. No, it sounds redundant because it is. Look, if you would, at Psalm 85. Look at verse six. It says this, Will thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee. Now we're going to focus in on the word revive. Revive. It means life again. It means life again. You put the R-E in front of it, the prefix, and as you do, it's again. You remember, you called to remember, it's that thing that you once knew again. So here it is, it's life again. What is this revived life? It's not you it's not me. It's not Chris Miller saying, I'm super Christian. I'm very empowered in and of myself. It's not evangelists on a lot of caffeine or a lot of vitamin B or something like that. No. What is it? When I am revived, it is literally the spirit reviving me from the inside out. It his, it's his life. So putting our definition together with these three aspects and seeing the importance of it, we see revival returns us to the word of God. It restores us to fellowship with the person of God. And then 
It's through the spirit-filled life. That is, it revives us to the life of God. When we're experiencing revival, we're walking then in newness of life. When the Bible says in Romans 6, walk in newness of life, it's not your life. It's the very life of Jesus Christ who gives you the power to get victory over sin, to walk and to do what you cannot. It's a supernatural. It's a powerful. It's a something that does what you cannot. It revives you. Now, it's amazing. Revival has to be done by someone else to you. You have to be willing. You have to recognize your need, your weakness, your dire need. But revival needs to be administered by someone else. Let me il- illustrate. Even in Michigan, I remember years ago, there's a, an EMT. And he said, I work on the ambulance. And we still, Brother Miller, we will still, when we call in a patient or we call in, I don't know what they call uh, a, a particular situation. We say, we have a man here and uh, he has collapsed. He stopped breathing. His heart rate failed. We administered CPR, and he has been, you know what they use? Revived. He's been revived. Now, imagine with me if Brother Aaron, Pastor Aaron, he's up here leading singing, and as he's leading singing, you know, he's, uh, he's up here, and he's, he starts to sway a little bit. He said, wait a minute, we don't sway at this church. No, 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 we don't sway. And, uh, but then he starts to really kind of stumble. You know, oh, something's wrong. He's not looking good in his color. And then all of a sudden, he just, wham, he just collapses right here on the platform. And now he's laying horizontal on the platform. Brother Henry says, well, um, folks, uh, let's go ahead and have Evangelist Chris Miller come. Um, and like, why don't you come, Brother Miller? And I come up here and... <laughs> Walk around, Pastor Aaron. I said, okay, everyone take your Bibles and would you stand with me, everybody? <laughs> be kind of awkward here. Okay, just a, okay, just a minute. Um, let's go ahead and check him out here. I know you're concerned. So, and I checked to feel for his breathing. And it's, it's weak. Oh, no, there, it's gone. Okay, breathing's gone. Oh, heartbeat. That's what we need to check. So I lift up his arm and I, I feel, for, feel his wrist there and I feel the pulse. Uh, it's weak going, going, and that's gone too. And then I just go ahead and drop his arm, his wrist. And I say, folks, don't worry. We'll get Pastor Aaron as soon as the morning service is over. Okay, take your Bibles and turn to... <laughs> Would we do that? <laughs> well, we'd be tempted to. No, no, no. <laughs> Mrs. Robertson would certainly <laughs> differ with me. So, no, no, we'd say, okay, who knows, who knows CPR and EMTs? Call 911. Okay, get an ambulance here quick. And then I say, okay, I'll do this part. Mrs., you're going to have to do the other part. <laughs> and, you know, we do it. Why? Why? Everything in this service would stop, 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 stop. No, no, no more preaching, no songs, no singing. Don't, you're not going to think about lunch. You're not going to think about what you're going to do later on. You're not going to think about uh, the, the details for the week. Why? Because that man up there needs to be, help me out, revived. And folks, that is describing several in this room. He said, well, I'll just do it. I'll do a better job. No, 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 no. Someone else has to administer the CPR. And that's where the Spirit of God comes in. He does the reviving. But he's waiting for you to say, dear God, I need you. And I sure do need this week. So, Lord, 
If it's important enough for someone who needs CPR to be revived, and that's the most important thing, then I reckon that's the most important thing for me right now, this week. Would you see the revival of God's people, the church, the saved, is the priority on his heart, and therefore also the new birth of those that need to be saved. Nothing's more important on God's list. Would you make it the priority this week? Be here, be ready, but would you say in the closing moments right now, dear God, would you revive me again?